Welcome to this week's edition of the Pigskin Pulpit. I'm your host, the Sideline Statsman. And today, of course, we're going to dive in to week two of action and see what's going on around the league and a new debate topic for this week. Oddly enough, nobody responded to my last debate topic. So I guess this week I have to come up with a new one, make it more interesting, and try to see how many of you vote for that or comment. Again, The best comment makes the podcast, so make sure to comment, please. Don't just like it, the image. I know the graphics are nice, but that doesn't mean you don't don't comment. Please comment so I can add you on the podcast. Maybe maybe your voice will get heard and people will agree with you. You never know. So as for what we're going to talk about today, of course, we're going to have to talk about the quarterback situations going on with four different teams. I won't name them. I think you know them already. I'm also going to go into which 2-0 teams are we buying into and not buying into. Same thing going for the 0-2 teams, the winless teams. Are we? Do we know which team is going to get out of the phase and run out and get some victories and start winning soon? Who's going to be the first one to hit the win column? I got those answers. The debate topic of the week as usual. And also, the two winners and two losers this week. So, without further ado, let's get into it. Start off with the quarterback situations. You look into it and you start thinking to yourself, wow, 100th season in the NFL. This is going to be amazing. Everyone's excited. They're hype. They're saying, this is going to be the greatest season yet. Look at all the drama going on. I love this. Yeah, the drama just keeps coming and coming. Think about it. All right. First, Nick Foles went down in week one with an injury. He's done for this pretty much most of the season, which means Gardner Minshew has to take over for the Jaguars. Then week two, uh, Steelers lose Big Ben for the entire year, which means Mason Rudolph is taking over. This is a big test for the Steelers. The Jets lost Sam Darnold until week five with mono or mononucleosis. And for the Saints, they lose Drew Brees for at least six weeks with a thumb ligament being torn and now having to get surgically repaired. And that means Teddy Bridgewater, Taysom Hill has to pick up. So this is all just overwhelming right now to still have to process that. So if we want to talk about quarterback situations, I'm going to go from like the the biggest solution for each team, what to do and how well they're going to be able to execute it. So... Starting off with the Steelers, I mean, losing Big Ben is such a big deal because he's like the focal point of your offense. He's been that leader for so long over there in Pittsburgh. You can't just imagine another quarterback starting. You can't. As much as you want to, you can't. And I love Big Ben, don't get me wrong. But maybe this is the chance for Mason Rudolph to make that step up that he's been proving. He was doing so well that he knocked Josh Dobbs out of a job. That's why he's in Jacksonville. And Mason Rudolph may have a lot more potential than we think. I didn't see a strong performance against Seattle, but he kept the game close. He was able to keep it close throughout the game. So thank goodness for that. Otherwise, I don't know if I'm going to see the Steelers really pop out of an 0-2 start. So I don't know if they're going to be able to rebound from that. It's a tough situation. Think about it. Ravens are winning a division right now. Undefeated 2-0. Browns are 1-1, one and, one, and you're tied with the Bengals for the worst record. Not a good look. Maybe Mason Rudolph will get him out of there. I don't know. I think the solution really lies in the offensive line giving Rudolph enough time and how healthy the backfield is. If the backfield isn't healthy, then you're going to see some serious issues going on with the Steelers, and they're going to last. Because it can't just be, Jay- it can't just be James Conner doing it with his bad knee. It's got to be Jalen Samuels picking up. And if Jalen Samuels doesn't step up and help out Connor, what's the point to this run game? Can't just be one guy. It's got to be more than that. So a multidimensional offense is always great. And if you lose one part of that, it's going to be easy for people to figure out your your offense and take you down. And that's something the Steelers got to be ready for because it's bound to happen eventually. 
Going on now to the Jets here. I mean, he's coming back soon. Sam Darnold's going to be back by week five, he's saying. He was in the building already in the practice facility saying, I'm ready to go. I'm almost there. I should be good to go real soon. I can't wait to touch the football again. I mean, first of all, however he got mono, I, I mean, that's just unbelievable. That's unbelievable. I'm still laughing about it. I mean, at first, first of all, mono was no joke. Mono, if you do too much when you're sick and, and you're like, oh, I could do this, I can handle this, you could literally die. That's the whole thing of saying, well, why don't you let him play sick? Here's the problem. If he's sick and he goes into play and he ruptures his spleen, he dies. It's an attack not only on the immune system, but the body itself. It's hard to beat. It need, and the only thing you can stop it with is flushing your body with fluids, staying hydrated, and getting rest. And that's what he's been doing. And thank goodness. So in the meantime, they had Trevor Simeon. <sighs> it was nice seeing Trevor Simeon there. For whatever time he was there before he landed on his ankle and popped it out. I mean, that was just... When you look, there were two angles to it. And let me tell you, that back angle was so disgusting. You could literally watch all the pressure on his foot and watch the bone just pop to the side. That's how you knew it was over. He went straight. He grabbed his leg right away. So now Luke Falk, who ironically was drafted in the 199 spot in his draft, the same spot that Brady was drafted when he was, years ago back in the 2000 draft, that means people are already making the connection, oh my goodness, could Luke Falk be the next Brady? Um, I wouldn't go that far. But he had a strong showing in a relief effort for uh, Trevor Simeon. Imagine, he doesn't really know the offense that well. He just got thrown into the system. But the guys are trusting Luke Falk to get the job done. He had a good performance. I mean, an 80% completion percentage, that's not bad. 20 for 25 for almost 300 yards. It's a good, it's a good performance. He didn't get a touchdown and throw any picks, so that's a good thing. So he didn't. he had an average performance, a nice relief effort. But if they want to succeed... They need to make sure Luke Falk's got time. They got to start incorporating him into the passing game much more. Especially if you're going to be playing the Patriots. When you're playing the Patriots, the defense is going to come at you. Bill Belichick is going to abuse your weaknesses. He's going to make you look like a fool. So you got to watch yourself. The Jets' solution is simple. Wait it out. Wait for Darnold to come back. But in the meantime, invest your efforts into this third string quarterback make sure make sure that they'll be okay make sure he can handle it especially because if you start struggling you better hope that David Fales who you just signed is not going to have to come into the game because if David Fales comes in all hope is lost so prepare yourselves the Jets may be going 0-4 before we see Darnold come back they may lose the next two games as for the um, Jacksonville Jaguars, it's a shame about what's going on with um, Nick Foles because he got that massive contract. We've been waiting to see him get in action. He was doing really, really well with the Jaguars early. I actually thought they had a chance to beat the Chiefs in the first game. And then he got hurt. And then I was like, there was, there's no way they're winning this game now. That defense is getting abused by the Chiefs. Until I saw Gardner Minshew at the field. The stash. Let me tell you, Gardner Minshew is not a bad quarterback whatsoever. So far in the, in the two games he's played, he's done very well. And that includes playing a team like the Chiefs. And the Texans. He nearly beat the Texans last week. And they should have won. If they would have kicked that extra point, it would have been tied. They could have gone to overtime. Maybe won if they got the ball. And plus, the Texans offense wasn't able to solve the problems that the Jacksonville defense was creating. So, on that note, you were better off going for it. Well, not going for it, but going for the PAT. The point after. That that would have been fine. And really, the Jaguars would have won the game. I'm so serious. They would have won. So, otherwise, basically, Gardner Minshew should have won that game. And he's been doing very well. His passer rating is above 110. He's one of the top 10 passers in the league in that and in touchdowns. He's doing very well at filling in for uh, Nick Foles. He's proven himself as a true leader, too. I like it. I think Gardner Minshew's winning over the team, and you're going to see more of him before Nick Foles comes back. And then they have a tough call. If Minshew starts winning games, who are you starting? 
You got to think about that. It's a tough call. It's a really tough call. But for now, you ask me, got to stick with Minshew. In order to keep it that way, make sure his stats stay the same. Make keep make sure that the running game is incorporated. Leonard Fournette's not doing too well right now as a running back. He hasn't had that breakout year everybody's been predicting. So right now, focus on make on making that running game work. So make sure Fournette's finding the gaps or the offensive line's creating the gaps. Because I guarantee you that's what his problem is. He's trying to bounce the outside. Because when he tries to run up the middle, he's getting stuffed immediately. So that's a fault on the blocking. So fix that. Fournette will start running better. Promise you. And that will give take some pressure off of Gardner. So that leads us to the last case and, of course, the most brutal case, the New Orleans Saints. Put it this way. Drew Brees is now out for at least six weeks after getting surgery on his thumb ligament, which prevented him from gripping the ball. That's a horrible injury to come back from, and he's going to take a while to get back into the groove. So in the meantime, they're left with Teddy Bridgewater and Taysom Hill. Not the best options after seeing how poorly Teddy Bridgewater played on Sunday against the Rams. So now that leaves it at pretty much Taysom Hill and Bridgewater either splitting reps or Taysom Hill getting the ball most of the time, which I'm okay with. Because as you've heard through my previous episodes, I think it was the second episode I posted, I would rather see Taysom Hill in as a backup to Breeze rather than see Bridgewater because Hill has been compared to so many different players as being the future of the Saints organization. He's a dual-threat quarterback with a great spiral. He has great control with the ball. He's quick. That's what you want. You want a guy who's going to avoid the sacks and get the ball out, and when he knows he can't get away, he'll take the sack, or he'll be smart with it and throw it away outside of the pocket. That He makes these decisions, and that's the kind of quarterback I want. Starting, not Bridgewater, who doesn't have that most same mobility. So, honestly... Taysom Hill better start. I don't know what the Saints are going to do. They're probably going to split the reps. But either way, I already said my piece on Taysom Hill. Now, for this solu- for the solution of how to get this to really work, these guys got to work together and find ways to extend games. Extend drives. Because that's going to be the issue now. Because the offense isn't going to have that same energy it did before. So as a result, that defense needs to be able to stay off the field and get some rest. Because you know the defense is going to be doing more work. So for now, you got to keep that defense off the field and give them time to rest because that did not happen against the Rams on Sunday. The defense was more active than ever. Granted, the blown call, but on the same hand, I mean, come on. Otherwise, the Saints are going to fall back into the um, pretty much the last place in the division, possibly. It's going to be a rough road. They need the wins here now, especially if he's going to come back. If Breeze is going to come back soon, you want to make sure that you're in a good place to keep get you guys into the playoffs. So, yeah. That's all the situations going on with quarterbacks right now, really. So, this brings me to the next topic. Which undefeated teams, because we're only two weeks in, 2-0, and oh, are we really buying into here? Which ones? And which ones are also the ones that we can rule out as credible teams we can rely on to make the playoffs. So, I'm going to go three teams each. Yes, you heard that right. I'm going three teams each. So, I'm going to start off alternating. So, I don't. the first team I don't think I'm going to buy into here, as great as they've been doing, are the Buffalo Bills. I'm not buying into it yet because you got to look at the rest of the division and you've got to look at what's going on in the conference. It's a tough conference as it is. In the division, you're dealing with Tom Brady. There's no way you're going to get ahead of Tom Brady and the Patriots in the AFC East. It'll take a miracle to get ahead of you. And if you can get ahead of them, my God, you better make the Super Bowl. Otherwise, from there, if you're dealing with the conference, you're dealing with the, you got to deal with the Patriots. you got to deal with the Ravens. you got to deal with the Titans, Texans, and Colts. And don't forget Gardner Minshew and the Jaguars. You got to deal with Patrick Mahomes. You got to deal with Derek Carr and the Raiders. Um, 
There's, you got to deal with the Browns. It's a lot of teams here, and they're all going to be competing to get those spots. So right now, this is really hard. it's really hard for me to see the Buffalo Bills make the playoffs. Unless they can keep this up, because let me tell you, Josh Allen's been phenomenal. He's been playing good football, especially in the last game against that Giants defense. Which, by the way, once again, is not bad, but the reason why they're giving up so many points is because they don't have time. They're not staying on the field. I mean, they're not getting time off the field. They need to rest, and they're not getting it. So that's on the fault of the offense there. But otherwise, the Bills are a tough team right now. They're tough to beat. So going into the next game, I'm looking to see if Buffalo can win. If Buffalo can make it to 3-0, then I might start buying into it. But right now, they're 2-0. Right now, the Singletary-Gord duo's working. The receiving core seems a little questionable still, even though John Brown and Cole Beasley... And again, Allen's having accuracy issues deep. So if he can get that fixed, this could be this is a wildcard team for sure. But right now, I'm not buying into it. Now, a team I really am buying into, as you could probably assume, is the Patriots. The Patriots are obviously a team I'm going to buy into because Tom Brady, first of all, and I know you guys hate it because I keep mentioning his name and you guys think I'm probably a Patriot lover, but I'm really not. I just respect Tom Brady's game as being the greatest quarterback of all time, which we can get into a debate about that another day. I'm not going into it. Tom Brady, Sony Michelle, James White, Julian Edelman, Philip Dorsett, uh, Josh Gordon, Antonio Brown, and Matt Lacoste. All those guys together are just insane. I cannot imagine this team not going 16-0. It's hard for me to see it unless I see the Ravens beating them or the Chiefs. The Chiefs have a high-powered offense. It's hard to beat these guys. I mean, think about it. Um, They just scored, what, 40-something points against the the, uh, Dolphins. I think it was 43. And the Dolphins didn't score anything. And the Patriots were playing another team. They were playing the uh, Steelers. And they beat them 33-3. So, it's questionable, man. That offense is so good. And that defense is really locking down teams. Granted, the Dolphins are an exception because they're not doing well. And it's like a tank season right now. But as for the Steelers, that's pretty incredible. What they're doing there with this against the Steelers, what they did in that game, was pretty awesome. I liked it. It showed me a lot. And if they can keep producing that, you're going to see things change really quick, and you're going to see why they're a top team and why they're my Super Bowl pick as winners this year. Why Brady's getting his seventh ring. You're going to find out real quick. So, um, another team I don't think is really going to last to, and live up to the hype is uh, San Francisco 49ers. Um, it's hard to explain why, but in simple terms, I've got it as... The 49ers have so many teams they got to beat out in the NFC West and the NFC itself that I don't know if I can believe it. Um, With the 49ers, they don't have Tevin Coleman. He should be back real soon. And they don't have um, McKinnon for the year, pretty much. So, Mostert's been doing really well with Breda. And Breda's already a top 10 back in the league at the moment. He's barely there at number 10, rushing yards-wise. He's been doing very well. And the duo together are just unstoppable. The one-two punch is just beautiful. Um, When you're talking about the receiving core, especially, when I talk about this receiving core, Marquise Goodwin's finally taking that step up. And Dante Pettis is really working. And so is Debo Samuel. Those three really work. And it's helping Jimmy Garoppolo get the ball downfield and show why he was picked as the franchise quarterback. I've got nothing else to say there. He's done great. But when you look at the other teams in the, in the division, you're looking at the LA Rams and you're looking at the Seattle Seahawks. Those two teams are tough to beat and get by. So you would really have to work hard to get there and get ahead of them. So going from that note alone, I don't think there's a chance they win this division. But if you're going from a wild card standpoint, there's a chance. But I can't get behind it. There is no way you're going to get me to go behind these guys. At all. In simplest terms, I don't know if the 49ers are going to make it as a wildcard team, but they've got a good shot. 
they do have a good shot. Otherwise, I don't see it happening. The Niners aren't going to have to deal with the... Uh, they still got to deal with the Packers in division. The Vikings are still tough. The Lions are proving they're tough to beat. Um, You got to look over all these teams. The Buccaneers, you got to look over the Saints, the Falcons, the Panthers when Cam Newton's finally healthy. And uh, go with the Cowboys. The Redskins are tough. Actually, they're really doing well with Keenum. I'm just surprised they haven't gotten a win yet. They keep choking in the second half. The Eagles. I'm naming all these teams and I'm telling you that this is really tough. I don't know if the 49ers or any team in the NFC can really beat the powerhouses. Everyone's fighting for a spot. This is going to be one of the hardest divisions I've seen this year. I mean, one of the hardest competitions to get into the playoffs. This is like um anybody's game here. It really is this year. So I like that aspect. So honestly, no, I don't see the 49ers getting in. Going back to my other team, another 2-0 team I'm really buying into, I'm I'm all in on them too. The Baltimore Ravens. Looking over the Baltimore Ravens, I can easily say that Lamar Jackson's an MVP candidate this year. I can easily say that. I don't know what it is about that offense, but wow. Having Marquise Hollywood-Brown as one of your top receivers is a blessing. Him and Mark Andrews together are just unstoppable. Willie Sneed's getting some nice passes and looks downfield. You're seeing a running game working for Mark Ingram here, and that defense is suffocating. I I I can't I got nothing else to say. It's been very good. I've seen some good things come out of it, Baltimore, and I think it's gonna last. It's gonna keep John Harbaugh his job. He's he's been basically the best coach I've seen for the Ravens in their franchise's history. Granted, I know we're going to talk about Brian Billick here, but on that same note, John Harbaugh has changed this organization around. He's really made this into something that we should be paying attention to. He really has. I think they're going to win this division, and I think that they're going to make it possibly to the championship game, AFC Championship. It's going to be it's going to be a tight road here because of the whole problems with the defense and the offense. They got to work together and stay balanced. And right now, they do have some balance in there, so I'm okay with that. But is it enough to top teams like the Patriots and the uh, Chiefs? We're going to have to find out. As of my last Owen, my last uh, 2-0 team, I don't trust. I'm, this is a tough one because there's not many 2-0 teams right now. But I'm going to go with the Seahawks. I think the Seahawks are doing really well right now. Especially Russell Wilson helping them out in games. Defense is doing just enough to lock down. It's like a 2.0 Legion of Boom. Again, not the same level as the OG. But the Seahawks, I think, are missing something. I can't put my finger on it. But I, it feels like something's missing. Maybe it's that offensive line not giving Wilson enough time, even though he's still managing. Maybe it's the fact that I don't like not having Doug Baldwin there. Or maybe it's me not trusting the running game with Chris Carson and Shad Penny, which I shouldn't be doing because they're doing very well as a formidable, as a, one of the most formidable duos in the NFL. But nonetheless, I don't know what's going on. But something's telling me this Seahawks team is going to lose something soon. I'm getting a weird vibe. Now, usually I'm not a person to say that believes in the vibes or buys into it. But right now, it's killing me. I've, I'm feeling something I shouldn't be feeling when it comes to wins or teams winning. It's like I'm feeling pity. Like I know something's going to go wrong soon. And if that does happen, I mean, hold the presses. Get me, get me a job as soon as you can if something goes wrong. I trust the Seahawks at the beginning of the season. And they went 2-0. I was very happy about that, that I'm starting to show that I'm right. The only thing I'm not thrilled about is that the Seahawks gave me that weird feeling of we're going to choke, that something's going to go wrong and we may collapse. That's where I felt uneasy. And I think I have every right to feel uneasy in that sense. So maybe I'm feeling a Russell Wilson injury coming. Maybe I feel a uh, blowout coming against that defense. 
I don't know what it is. I just I don't trust the Seattle like I did before. Something's throwing me off. Maybe I'm wrong. But we'll see what happens. Something's throwing me off with Seattle. We're going to find out soon. Um, And as for the 2-0 teams I'm really buying into, the last one I'm going to go for, this one's not as shocking, but I some people may think it is. I'm buying in on the Green Bay Packers. Now, most of you will be questioning me right now with why are you buying into the Packers. They almost lost the game against the uh, Vikings in Lambeau. And I get that. But that's because, as we all know, like I predicted, Kirk Cousins did not live up to the hype. He's choking games. Making bad calls. He's proving he didn't deserve that contract. That game definitely proved it. So, he's not an example of consistency in the passing game as a solid leader. But, nonetheless, the Packers are more impressive than I've seen before. I've never seen an offense so rejuvenated and so young, you know, outside of uh, the offensive line and Aaron Rodgers. But, again, Aaron Rodgers is making great plays. He had a rebound week, and it was impressive. I liked watching him play. It was energizing, and he was a difference maker in their win. And that defense was doing very well to shut down the Vikings. Granted, they started choking in the fourth quarter a little bit, but nonetheless, kudos to the, to the, the uh, Packers defense. They're still doing really well. It's hard to stop Dalvin Cook, and it's hard to stop Stephon Diggs and Adam Thielen. But they found a way, and they were able to pull out the win, 21-16. to Can't blame them. Great performance. And for the Packers here, I really could see them winning this division. Especially with the Bears, only 1-1, one and, one, and you've got the only team. Every team is still in play, though. Every team is still in play to knock the Packers off their high horse. But right now, they look like a division leader. And a real winner. And it's going to be coming soon. So brace yourselves. You may see that happening very, very soon. So Aaron Rodgers back to the playoffs. Right now, I see it. So that's going to end the talk on the undefeated teams. Let's move on to the winless teams. So with the winless teams here, I could go through all of them right now. So the New York Jets are 0-2. The Miami Dolphins are 0-2. Shocker there. The Bengals are 0-2. The Steelers are 0-2. The Jacksonville Jaguars are 0-2. The Broncos are 0-2. The Giants are 0-2. The Redskins are 0-2. The Panthers are 0-2. And technically, I'm going to include the Cardinals here. They're 0-1-1 because they did have a tie. So, 0-1-1. So... In recap, that's the Cardinals, the Panthers, the Giants, the Redskins, the Broncos, the Jaguars, the Bengals and Steelers, and the Jets and Dolphins. That's 10 teams who do not have a win in their column yet. So, out of all those teams, which ones do I think have the best chance of rebounding? Out of all those teams. Um, I'm going to pick two. And stick with the two. And as I said earlier about the QB situations, I'm going to mention one team who I think their QB situation is going to be solved. And they're going to pick up and they're going to rebound. And that would be the Jacksonville Jaguars. I think after watching that game against the Texans and the Chiefs, I can easily say Gardner Minshew is playing like a top 10 QB in the league right now. He's playing like one. What they need to do is make sure that they keep extending drives. They need to make sure they get it done. They got to. They want to win. They got to do that. So that means consistently get to the end zone. Do what you have to do. Gardner Minshew is playing phenomenally. His completion percentage is top five in the league also, in case nobody knew. And this is on a minimum of like 15, 20 attempts a game. He's doing really, he's doing really well. And he's playing like a franchise quarterback. So right now, what you need to do is make sure that you complete drives and make sure that running game steps up. If Fournette steps up in the running game, the Jaguars game will be a lot more dangerous. And that's what you want. So right there, I'm saying it flat out. That defense is going to pick up eventually like they did last game against the Texans. And they're going to play like one of the best teams in the league, in the AFC. 
So I think the Jaguars are going to pick up and that they'll rebound. I don't know if it's going to be a winning season still, but I think they'll rebound depending on what their schedule is going to come out to. So yeah, they're one of the teams. Um, another team I think could rebound. This one's a tough one, and I don't want fans hating me for saying this, simply because this happened, but uh, I'm going to go with the New York Giants. I'm going to go with the New York Giants because even though you have those, those issues with Golden Tate being out and Sterling Shepard's going to miss another game, I mean, it's just one game for Sterling Shepard being out. He should be back by week four. So you're telling me that you're not going to believe in Daniel Jones, who had a really good preseason. I mean, I granted it's the preseason. But he's playing against first and second defenses, and he was torching them up. Who's to say he can't do it in the regular season? And if there's any team that he that needs to be tested, that he can do this against, Tampa's the way to go. Doing it against the Tampa Bay defense is the only way that's going to help. We're going to find out. Because this is a Todd Bowles defense running on a 3-4 aggressive style. And that secondary is a lot more dangerous than they were years before, than the previous years. And they're up, and the pressure up front with the blitz packages are crazy. So when I say that something that the Giants could get a nice breakaway week, this could be it. They beat Tampa, they're back in it. One and two. Cool. So the Giants have a good offense when everyone's healthy. Because right now they can't do anything because Saquon is doing all the work and they gotta rely on Saquon. I think they should. And then Daniel Jones, whenever all the receivers are healthy, they're going to rebound, of course, because that offensive line is so good. And that defense just, they need to work on coverage. That's it. Cover your men. When you're playing man coverage, stay tight. Don't give them any space. And when you're doing zone packages, make sure you pick up. If he's running behind you, backpedal until another guy behind you can pick up on it and then you can switch off. It's that simple. But no, the Giants are still struggling with that. If that gets fixed, yes, they'll be a top team. They'll be a better team. So the Giants have the potential as long as Daniel Jones lives up to the hype, everyone gets healthy, and the defense works. That simple. So the Giants and Jaguars are two 0-2 teams I think could get that chance. Now bringing me to the debate topic of the week. Woo! Been waiting for this. So. So. Granted, on that note for the Giants, Eli Manning is now on the bench. He's no longer starting. They finally did it. After, in his 16th season with the New York Giants, the franchise has decided that Daniel Jones is the new path to go. They did it pretty soon, too. Pretty early. But, nonetheless, it was a good call. So, with that being said, let's say this is his last game. That he's never going to put on a Giants uniform again or start again. Eli Manning's going to finish at the age of 38 with two Super Bowls to his name and two Super Bowl MVPs. He's going to have four Pro Bowls. He's a four-time Pro Bowler. Played 16 seasons in the league, technically if you want to count 16, but if you want to do full seasons, go 15 seasons. And only made the playoffs six times. He finishes with a 60.3% completion percentage, over 56,000 yards passing, uh, a touchdown-to-interception ratio of 362-241, to and a passer rating of 84.1. Which is not bad, but not good. It's average. Which now brings me to the question. Is Eli's career... Well, it's not even if Eli's career is over. Because we already know this might be it for him. Here's the question. Let's say he's done. He's never playing again. He's retiring. Is Eli Manning... A Hall of Fame quarterback. I know, I know, I know. You've been hearing it everywhere, but I'm doing it anyway. Because this is hot right now. This is a hot take. This is meant for you guys to argue about. So, is Eli Manning going to be a Hall of Famer? 
Now, if you want to go on the Super Bowls alone, I'll tell you right now, he should be in the Hall of Fame. You want the, you want the Super Bowls alone, he's a two-time Super Bowl winning quarterback. Great. But if you want to break down in depth, let's say take the Super Bowls out of the equation, he should not even be close. Now, here's why. If he was to make it, it would be as like, um, it would take him years and years before he actually got in, if he never won the Super Bowls. So here's what I'm going to say. When I mentioned that he had four Pro Bowls to his name, it was in 2008, 2011, 2012, and 2015. So the funny part is about that 2008 campaign, if I'm correct, that was the year after they won Super Bowl 42. The 2011 campaign was when they won Super Bowl 46. 2012 was when they uh, they did not make the playoffs. And 2015 was when they also did not make the playoffs. So, with all that being said, in those 15 seasons, they made the playoffs six times with him as a starting quarterback. So, it makes you wonder, hmm, out of all those years, why couldn't the Giants make the playoffs? Now, I'm also going to include here the last time they actually made the playoffs, you know, before Odell Beckham showed up, was 2011, the year they won the Super Bowl. After that, they never went back. Not until about 2016. And then the famous boat picture happened. After that, I haven't touched the playoff since. Three years now. We're going into the third year if they don't make, if they don't survive this year. So, it makes you wonder, with that kind of postseason history, can we say that Eli Manning really is a Hall of Fame quarterback? Truly? Honestly, I don't know. It's up in the air. That's why I'm asking you guys. Because this is a tough topic for me. Because growing up in a family that was so hell-bent on, as Giants fans, they all liked Eli. But later on in his career, they hated him. And watching him over, he's, last season was not bad for him. He had a decent season last year. But all of a sudden this year, he's, it's slow. It's really slow. Just like last year. And then he heated up and got... One of some of the best stats he's had in a long time. So, all that, I mean, it's hard. You look over that best season he had, he was like, that was his career best in 2011 when he won the Super Bowl. 46, I go for the Patriots. That was, that was his year. But then, three times in his career, all those seasons, he finished... With leading the league in interceptions. He led league interceptions because in a few seasons he threw over 20 interceptions. And yeah, I know that's hard to believe, but he is. And it's funny because all the stats he has for Super Bowls and all the records he's set, half of those records involve turnovers or interceptions, and the other half involve touchdowns and passing yardage. Great, great, great. But it's so imbalanced and actually the correct word here is balanced because he's got great passing accolades and he's got horrible passing accolades so you put them together and it's like he's a he's a mediocre quarterback so the question is can you put a mediocre quarterback in the nfl i mean in the hall of fame i mean if you're gonna go there you might as well put dominic donovan mcnab in the conversation granted he never won a super bowl but he was one of the best eagles to ever play quarterback he was one of the best Eagles ever. Well, why do we put Dave Krieg in the conversation? Who's also a nominee this year for the Hall of Fame. One of the best quarterbacks in the history of the Seattle Seahawks, next to Russell Wilson. You're not going to include him, are you? Oh, yeah, that's right. You're not going to include him because, I, I mean, I don't know. He didn't win a Super Bowl, did he? Um, another one, Jeff Garcia. Average quarterback. But he was famous for his performances on the Browns and his performances with the Bucks for that one season and being all over the league. That's what he was known for. He was a journeyman quarterback who got the job done, like Ryan Fitzpatrick, except for this season. We won't talk about that. What I'm saying here is, if you're going to say Eli deserves to be in the Hall of Fame, you've got to include other quarterbacks. That would mean, and if you want me to get modern here, Philip Rivers would have to be in the conversation, and he never won a Super Bowl, but he's one of the most prolific passers in the NFL's in the history of the NFL. One of the best. He's like one of the top three quarterbacks to have never won a Super Bowl. 
And that's up there with Dan Marino and Jim Kelly as being the only ones ahead of him. That's all I can say. And keep in mind, I'm saying never won. Not never been, never won. So, that would also mean you have to include Carson Palmer. Carson Palmer was a phenomenal quarterback. And he never won a Super Bowl. So why aren't we considering him? Hmm. Let's think about that. I mean, I could go on about this forever. If you put Eli in, you have to consider others. That's the thing. Because right now, I would say, and this is another bold statement, Big Ben Roethlisberger would make it into the Hall of Fame before Eli does. Guaranteed. Because if that doesn't happen, I am done with the NFL. Ben Roethlisberger has been a bigger contributor to the Steelers organization than Manning has been to the Giants. Yes, I went there. Without Ben Roethlisberger, there would be no Pittsburgh Steelers. There would be two Super Bowls not there. Just as I can say for Eli, not being there, they would not have their two Super Bowls. You get the trend I'm saying here? Mediocre quarterback when getting into the Hall of Fame because he won two Super Bowls would mean you got to include others. I mean, Jim McMahon won a Super Bowl. You want to include him? You get where I'm going with this. So, make sure you let me know on Instagram at v.signline.statsman and on Twitter at tstatsman on my webpages. I'm going to make a post, just reply. I'll make sure to spread around so you guys find out. I'm going to be commenting on a bunch of posts with ESPN, Bleach Report, you name it. I'm going to comment all over the place just so you guys get linked over to the post. So, head straight over there. Comment best ones on the podcast next week. Which now brings me to, of course, the conclusion of the podcast. On our final topic, which would be the winners and losers. And like I said last week, because we hit the regular season, I'm giving you two winners and two losers. So, my first one for losers is going to be Adam Gaze, the head coach of the New York Jets. Unfortunately, I love Adam Gaze. I think Adam Gase is a good coach. I think he's got a lot of potential. But just, it's something up with him. Just him and bad luck. You know what I mean? Bad luck. So with the Dolphins, he had a good season one year. And the season after, Ryan Tannehill got hurt again, and then the Dolphins just fell apart, and they collapsed. So as a result, the Dolphins canned him, the Jets took him. Now the Dolphins suck. But... The Jets also suck. And it's not his fault. The Jets are supposed to be really good. And they had a team that was worthy of being 8-8, eight eight, in my opinion. But what killed them is just the injuries. Think about it. C.J. Mosley is still hurt. He lost a number for the whole year. Sam Darnold's not come back till week 5. And you're down to one quarterback, pretty much. Or if you even want to be just being specific because you have two quarterbacks, fine. I'll give you the benefit of the doubt. You have a quarterback and a half on the roster. Your running game, kind of working. That's kind of what's going for you right now. And your defense is, well, okay. Your defense is okay. But you need these guys healthy. When they're healthy, you succeed. That's the thing. You want a successful team. But at the rate this is going, it's not going to happen. It's a shame. These guys need to get healthy soon or else, I mean... Adam Gase is going to lose more hair than he already has. And you're going to see the crazy eyes really pop out. You're going to see the real bug eyes. So, yeah. I mean, he needs. they need to fix something up now. they got to hope everybody gets back healthy. Next one, I'm going to go for winner. I'm going with Bruce Arians, head coach of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Now, why did I choose Bruce Arians? He's like one of my heroes this week, really, too. Because he got into a conversation about having like the biggest minority-based coaching staff in the league. He also has the largest coaching staff in the league. He has, I think they said about 29 coaches on the staff. Largest in the league. Nobody has even close to that. 
And a lot of them are minority coaches. And they're saying, why would you do that? And he says, well, he says, first of all, it's about equal opportunity for people. And he says, I also want to make sure that I draft, I get the best people who I trust in the, in their areas. I mean, think about it. He's got representation of women and minorities in his coaching staff. And let me tell you, the women trainers have been doing very well for the team. Ever, all these guys that have been get, that got hurt or were tweaking them or were getting tweaked, like their muscles and ankles and all that. I mean, it was just all of a sudden they're back on the field within a, within like a one quarter. It was something I was very happy to see. So when I see something like that, it shows that Bruce Arians has a lot of credibility. And outside of that, did anybody else watch that Bucks Panthers game? I mean, I know I got the rain delay, but let me tell you, he did a hell of a job. With Tampa Bay. He did a hell of a job. Todd Bowles stepped up to the plate. And proved that that defense is on its way back. Sha- Shaquille Barrett got. Three sacks. In the game. He's now like second on the sack list in the league. He's really. He did really well. So I'm very happy about that. And watching how this defense is coming to form. With getting pressures and using different packages. To get to quarterbacks. It's, it's really good. And the cornerbacks are finally getting stronger and getting better. So that's been put to the test this week against the Giants with Daniel Jones not coming in and now having someone that could actually throw the ball downfield and be accurate. But otherwise, I mean, Bruce Arians and the offense and the defense have been doing very well, and I'm very happy to see the team progressing. And I think you have a lot a lot of that thanks has to go to Bruce Arians and his coaching staff. I, I mean, you have to. You have to give them respect for that. So moving on to another loser. This week, I'm going with the Carolina Panthers. Because now I'm stepping into team winner losers. Gotta go with the Panthers. I mean, that loss you took against the Bucks was just brutal. I mean, think about it. You were half a yard away from a win. From getting the lead. And you let Vernon Hargreaves, one of the quote-unquote worst corners in the league. End quote. To stop you. Short. That is insane. And a lot of that blame comes in was was Cam Newton healthy. And obviously, we find out he wasn't healthy. Which we've been saying. Cam Newton was never healthy. Why are we even arguing this? Stop denying things that are true. We all knew watching him play that he wasn't moving around as much because he felt sore. We didn't know if it was his shoulder or not. But we knew there was something wrong and that he was injured in some way. Happened to be his foot. He may be missing the next game. Hell, I'm telling you, he aggravated it. He aggravated his foot. I'm saying he's hurt in the middle of the game. Nobody's believing me. I'm saying he's injured. He's done. You gotta let him sit. Sit him out. Let somebody else take over. Give him time to rest. But no. You know, Ron Rivera's gotta do his own thing. Ron Rivera needs to pay attention to his players and notice when there's something wrong. There was something wrong with Cam Newton. And it was clear as day. And he didn't do anything about it. Because it's probably one of those systems where it's like, you tell me what's wrong and I'll make sure it's taken care of. You got to tell me when you're not feeling right. No, bull. That's bull. You actually need to look at your players and notice if there's something wrong. Forget the fact that they got to come and tell you. You got to notice and take care of it because this is not only the player's job on the line, but this is your job. So if you continue to play him and not do anything about it because he didn't come to you, that's on you. That's harmful to the franchise that's trying to win and make the playoffs this year. I mean, shame on you, Ron Rivera. You got to know these things. Now you got to pray that he's going to be good to go for week three. Because if he has to sit out, they're, they're, they're looking at losing another game and going 0-3 to start the season. Okay, If Cam Newton's track record wasn't bad enough, this is just making it worse. Come on, Ron. Alright. My last winner of the week has to be the Detroit Lions. I think they had a big step up from last week. Because 
watching it over, I saw a successful team that got the job done. I saw everything clicking. They took advantage of the fact that Phillip Rivers didn't seem like he was there for the Chargers. And when that happens, you always take advantage of it, and they executed properly. Now, they don't have a loss on their record. Well, they have a tie. But still, 1-0-1? Hey, a winless record, I mean, a undefeated record, it's still an undefeated record. If you don't have any losses in the column. So, technically, you're undefeated. So, congratulations to the Detroit Lions and to Matt Patricia. Great job. Your defense really locked down Austin Eckler and the Chargers offense this week. Tremendous job. I mean, the final score was 13-10. to 10. You guys edged him out towards the end. You got that little extra push because the offense finally exploited the weak secondary that was missing Adrian Phillips and Derwin James. They're not the same impact players. So, you did a great job finding that weak spot and attacking it. So, great job on that point. You exploited a weak spot. That's what I like to see from a team. So... Great job. And on Johnson. What a game. on Johnson did a great job at running back too. He took some pressure off of Stafford, got some nice runs out. That's what you wanted, and he got it for you. He was also very entertaining. I mean, did you see that play where he dodged three tackles? Insane. It's like a Madden character. It was like you were playing Madden. You pulled off like two, three moves, skill moves in a row. It was pretty good. I was very happy to see that. So, yeah, the Lions had a good performance. Let's hope that carries on into next week. Hi, see what I did there? See what I did there? Carry on. But yeah, because this week they got to play Philly in Philly. If they can beat Philly, whoo, whoo, that'll be impressive. I'll be, I'll be keeping my eye out for that. That's a game to keep an eye out, guys. Philly versus Detroit. Detroit wins that game. They're a team to to worry about. Plus, don't forget T.J. Hawkinson. Whoo, it's gonna be a big piece of that game. Really important. So again, another winner. That winner this week is the Detroit Lions. Great job. And on that note, that's going to do it for the podcast. I'm your host, the Sideline Statsman. Make sure to comment on that debate topic and to follow us on Instagram at the.sideline.statsman and on Twitter at tstatsman. We'll see you next time. Have a great day, everyone.